what's up? My name is Christy, and I am the host of Awaken the Extraordinary. Welcome to the Storyteller Series. At a time when I feel like so much of the world's focus is about that which makes us different, and that being a bad thing, and ultimately dividing us, I want to focus on that which we have in common. Because when we focus on that, we cultivate a sense of connection. And when we feel connected, that creates the foundation that we can build relationships on. And when we have relationships with people who we think are different than us, and we realize we actually have stuff in common with them, we're more likely to be more tolerant, more compassionate, more kind, more empathetic. And that's the kind of world I want to live in. So that's why I created the Storyteller series. And I really hope you stick around for this episode because I'm pretty sure you're going to benefit from hearing it. It has been a while and I've had this episode as well as a few others in my repository waiting to be published, but a move to Montana happened, COVID happened. And a lot of life happened. And here we are really trying to get back into the swing of things. This is the first episode that I am recording in my office. So if you hear an echo, um, it's because there's not a lot of stuff on the walls and I'm working on it. But when I think of like the whole echo thing, I hear sloth and the Goonies like echo, echo, echo. So if you hear an echo, just bear with me. The intro's much shorter than the podcast episode, but on this week's episode of Awaken the Extraordinary, the Storyteller series, I have Pawnee Simons. She is a life coach and she is amazing. And she has such an interesting childhood. It's so different from what I experienced. And I love just learning about other people and what their experiences were growing up and what ultimately shaped them into the person that they became. And with Pawnee, it was just so cool to learn about a childhood experience that was vastly different than my own and learning how being one of many siblings and having really amazing parents shaped her into the person that she became. In this episode, she also talks about losing her dad quite suddenly and how she really lost her sense of self, but she got back on track. She figured out through that experience who she was, and it's a really powerful story, and I love that even if we're going through something really difficult and something just so painful, we have the ability to turn that into something that's beautiful. We have the opportunity to take the lessons that we learned in working through our own pain. We have the opportunity to take that and help others. And that's exactly what Pawnee is doing. So I can't wait for you to listen to this episode and uh, let's go ahead and get this party started. Okay. So Pawnee, thank you so much for joining. This is my 30 seconds of being fake. Like I said, Um, so (laughs) 
<laughs> so you and I connected, you were made, you were made to do this, right? Yes. Kathy I was Heller? Made to do this. Okay. I feel like so many of us connected on Instagram, like after the fact. Yeah. Okay. That was, that's what we happened with us. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful for that because I feel like I didn't connect with like a lot of people during the actual program because I felt like I was so focused on doing whatever like the assignments were and Facebook just became like, it just became way too much for me. So I just didn't even focus on that. So I'm really thankful for connecting with other people, like after the program ended and there's so many like amazing people, like it just like blows my mind. Um, And what I think is really cool too, is just how supportive, just naturally supportive and encouraging like we all are of each other and it's like we don't even really know each other but it's like we want to see everybody succeed and be happy and live whatever life they want to live so I know you have a podcast called yes you are brave um so I definitely want to talk about that but you and I connected um about just kind of the, I think the, the storytelling aspect and how we all have like stories to share. And that's one of the things I love about your podcast is that you just use a lot of personal anecdotes, which I do too. So I think that like, that's why I found myself attracted to you, but I've done enough talking. Um, so if you want to jump in, please do, because I want people to know like who I'm talking to, like who I haven't given time to. So yes, just go, just tell us about you. All right. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's you're right. It's super fun to connect with with everybody and to have these connections that are really not limited by geography. I think that's, that's the fun part. Um, so like you said, my name is Pawnee and I am a podcaster. I have a podcast called yes, you are brave. And I'll tell, talk about that a little bit more later because it kind of ties into what I was going to, uh, the story I was going to tell. Um, I'm from the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, and I uh, professionally was a teacher for many, many years. Well, not many, many. I was a teacher for a number of years. It could um, probably feel like many, many some days, it, right? It did. You know, there were some days that were like a, a week and some <laughs> weeks that were a month and a half. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I left. Um, I left education a couple of times. And um, I left because I just didn't feel like when I first got there, I felt like there was one place, a place I was supposed to be. And I worked there. And then when I, my time was done there, I just felt like I didn't necessarily need to be in education anymore. It's kind of a weird thing, but anyway, so I'm no longer a teacher. I am working to be a podcaster and a coach um, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's kind of who I am. I love building people up though. I love that part of teaching where it's getting people to believe in themselves and believe that they can be awesome, that they can do things that they never thought possible. Um, and I love just asking quote people questions until they get to the answer. Yeah. I know my students hate that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's sometimes what we need. We need somebody to just ask the right questions. And so I love doing that. I love building people up. I love, um, helping people see what they are and who they are and what they're worth. Because I think that sometimes we forget that and it's hard for us to see ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you said that I was thinking of that. And I think I've referenced it before that scene from Moana 
where, you know, her grandmother, have you seen Moana? Yes, I have. Okay. okay. Where like the grandmother, you know, Moana, I think Maui takes off and she's there by herself. And, you know, she throws the heart in the ocean. And then her grandmother is like, remember who you are. And it's just, then she remembered like who she was. And I think someone like you is, it's great because like you said, I feel like we just get bogged down by life sometimes and we lose sight just in like the day-to-day of who we really are at our core. So I think people like you are so important in helping people just reconnect with that, that part of themselves that maybe got a little bit buried by who knows what, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I, I feel like has been was really what I want to do is help people uncover that because I feel like I was kind of like that for a long time. A lot of my life was just kind of being buried in other people's and just, you know, life hiding that, that fun little part of me or that, you know, that part of me that I was afraid to let other people see because I didn't know how they would react. Um, my podcast episode that actually this week is about letting the little geek out, you know, I saw and- that today. I'm like, I need to listen to that episode. And then I had to update Spotify. So I haven't listened to it yet, but I did yeah. see that today. <laughs> but it's, you know, and, and I feel like because I spent so much time in my life, um, trying to not be other people. And then I realized that this is not a, the way to live. I want, I, I can't just not be my siblings. I have to be who I am. And so that's kind of where where I've been the last couple of years and kind of reflecting on doing lots of growing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think like for me, I like, that's what I want for the rest of my life. Like I want to be growing and evolving and hopefully being, I don't want to say like a better version of myself, but just like a more self-aware, confident version, like more confident now than maybe I was like five years ago. I want to like have that trajectory. Um, but I know like you have a lot of siblings, right? Like you I have do. a lot. <laughs> I do. I have uh, I have seven siblings. I am the youngest of eight. There are five girls and three boys in my family. And so, yeah, there's a lot of us. And, um, it was kind of a crazy growing up. Like I said, kind of. I feel like that, like, oh my gosh, I feel like it was insane with just having one sister. I can't imagine. Well, we also, like I said, we lived in a, a very small town and we have like, there was lots of cousins and stuff too, that lived there when we were growing up. Um, very few live there now, but we had a lot of cousins growing up that were kind of in between us, like my siblings And, um, then the just small town, my parents were those people that took everybody in. (laughs) And so there was always extra people at my house too, but yeah, so there was a lot of, a lot of us, like I said, five girls, three boys, and we worked, my grandpa had a small ranch and we worked, we worked the ranch. So I know I definitely want to ask about the ranch, but one more question I have is, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, something along the lines of like, just being who you are, like not being like your siblings. Um, so was, did you feel at any point like to, I don't, and I, and I'm trying to figure out how to word this, like to be accepted or to be loved or to be whatever it was like, 
did you feel at any point like you had to be like any one of your siblings or was it just because that's they maybe modeled certain behaviors for you that was just like oh well this is just who I need to be maybe not actually recognizing that maybe that's just who they were but you could still be whoever you wanted to be I don't know that it was something where I felt like I had to be them it was just I'm also the baby of the Mm -hmm. family and so especially when in a town that size, because we, there wasn't a lot of stuff for us to do. <laughs> like, let's how, how, like, do you know approximately how big the population was? I would say that the town itself has less than a thousand people in it. Oh my gosh. That's really <laughs> small. Wow. Everybody thinks that they understand small towns. And I'm like, but do you really? No, yeah, I would say super small, less than, a, less than a thousand. Um, and then my, my high school was 250 kids. Okay. That was seven through 12. Yeah. Um, so I graduated with 34 kids in my class. Okay. So that sounds similar. I have family that lives um, just outside of Yuma, Arizona in a town called Welton. And I feel like that sounds about population, your town, definitely smaller but I think like in terms of like the students and the graduating classes, like, I feel like that sounds about right. And that's just insane to me. Yeah. Like it's, it seems really cool, but at the same time, I'm just like, whoa, that, yeah, that's small. Yeah. And so like f- growing up in a town that small and being the youngest of eight um, was kind of like, I don't know, like I kind of wanted my, to do my own thing, mm-hmm. um, but it was very difficult, especially like through high school, because there's just nothing to do that's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with that many above me, everybody had done everything <laughs> between the, the, the seven of them. They had done it all. And what's the age range between you and the oldest sibling? Uh, it's about 16 years. Okay. That's, that's a big difference. Not quite 16 years. It is a big difference, but when you think of how many there are in between us. True. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so my, my oldest sister that. left for college when I was three. And so, and then there, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so then tell me about the ranch, the ranch. Um, so my grandfather had a, a small ranch. My, my mom, my mother's father, her parents lived there in town. And that's where my mom actually grew up was in, in the small town that I grew up in. And my grandpa had for years when he, when he was having his own family and stuff, he was working to build up this, this ranch. And it wasn't by like big by any means. Um, but he had, you know, worked it when he was for years, he had worked a full-time job and then he would come home and work a ranch. Mm -hmm. And so we, the ranch was about 30 minutes out of town and we had, I don't know, I feel like my view is a little skewed because I was young. It got sold when I was an early teenager. And, um, but we also ran cows with a guy who lived on the other side of the mountain. And so we would, in the spring, we would have to go and, you know, round up the cows and, um, brand calves and things like that. And oh, then wow. that's a real, that's a, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I'm like, wow, that's, um, I'm like, that's a real ranch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's not like the pretty ones like you're going to see in Montana because it was New Mexico and you have to have like, you have to have like four or five times as much land to support a much smaller herd. 
Um, but yeah, we would in the spring, you know, we would go and we'd round up cows and we'd have to move them and sort them and things like that. And we did it a little bit differently because my grandfather, um, was not, did not have the best of health and my dad didn't have great health either. And so mm. like, we didn't like rope them and tie them down like most people did. And that be also because it was mostly just us kids, like helping yeah. <laughs> with that. So we did things like we used a shoot. Um, also my grandpa had bad shoulders. Um, he had some sort of fever when he was young and burned up all the cartilage in his shoulders. Oh, wow. So he didn't, he didn't rope like most people. He roped okay. lower. <laughs> Okay. Just funny because all my brothers rope like that and nobody knows what they're doing. Um, I'd love to learn how to do that. that I don't actually great. know how to rope because we didn't use it very much. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we just, that's not how we did it because we didn't have the people. And so um, you would just yeah. like herd the cattle into the chutes. So what we would do is we had several different places out at the ranch that had a big corral, okay, um, like a big fenced in area. And so we would <clears throat> gather up all the, the cows in a section or two and take them to wherever we were um we were branding like I said we had I think if I remember correctly we had about three different places that we would brand and um you would there was a big I'm talking like football size field like field size of like that was fenced off we would herd them all in there and then we would um we would push them all up and you would spray them for bugs. Okay. <laughs> like a spray on them so that, you know, get the bugs off. And then you would separate the calves from the cows. So everybody got sprayed and then you would separate the calves um, from the cows, which is kind of a, quite a process. And in this, this big kind of area, there was like a smaller corral. Mm -hmm. um, and then we would, you know, let the cows out into the bigger area, keep the calves. And then once you got all the calves separated, then there was like a little run and a chute that you would push them through Okay. Um, one or two at a time. And then you get them to the chute and then it, it was a squeeze chute. So you like squeezed it and then you would tip it and depending on what you needed to do for the, for that particular wow. calf. Yeah. That's like a, a world I know nothing about. <laughs> How old were you when you started doing all of this? Um, well, the, the ranch, they had the ranch. Like I said, my grandpa had the ranch from the time my mom was little. And so just my whole life from the time I was little tiny, um, to the time that I was, they got sold when I was about 12 or 13. Okay. Um, we worked the ranch and like I said, it, it's a, it is a different world. Like you do things differently. Um, I know that it got to a point where, cause we, we had horses of course, but our horses were work horses. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's not like, it, you know, our horses were the kind of horses that you can open a gate off of. You can you know, do all yeah. kinds of things. You spend seven, eight hours a day in the saddle sometimes when you're rounding up. And, um, so I know that I got to a point where I was the only one small enough to ride. We had a little Shetland pony. Oh, <clears throat> and, um, cute. <laughs> he, he was not very cute. He was a no? grumpy old man. Like <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, he was a grumpy old man. We'd had him for a long time. And, um, so like, but, you know, I was the only one small enough to ride him. And I can remember, you know, spending all day on him. He was grouchy. He was grumpy. But um, he would walk under trees. He knew that were too short. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he had very good spatial awareness. But that he would walk under hilarious. that branch. He knew it was too short. Or he would walk next to that tree that he knew it was too close for your Oh, my leg. God. You know what I mean? He was just... And he would like come to something and he would just randomly decide to jump over it, you know? Um, oh. 
but yeah, so we'd round them up and do that. Um, like from the time I was little, even when before, like I was actually old enough to do a whole lot. Um, we were out at the ranch helping. Um, cause like I can remember being, oh, probably like six or seven and, um, helping out at the, we called it the head, you know, cause I wasn't big enough to push the calves through. Mm-hmm. So like my brothers and my sister and um, the the son of the guy that we ran cows with, um, they would like push them through the chute and stuff. And then I would help my uncle at the head because, you know, they would have to put tags in them and they would, you know, sometimes we had ones we had to clip their horns and different things mm-hmm. and like we would give them antibiotic shots, you know, things like that. And so like I would help my uncle, you know, hand him the brand, hand him the different knives if you know things and like that, that was just like your way of life like you're just like this is yeah that was this just is nothing kinda, like this is just what we do that was just kind of the way it was and yeah like I mean I didn't do that a ton until I got a little bit older but like we you know when it got to that point where they we didn't need they we didn't need the horses anymore sometimes those of us that were younger would kind of go off and be playing somewhere because like I said you have to be a certain size to push a calf <laughs> Oh yeah. Do a shoot. You know what I mean? Like when you're that little, you're like, okay, like I can ride a horse and do that, but there's only so much I could do past that because I wasn't big enough. But yeah, then it got to the point where you just, you just help out wherever you can and whatever is needed. And sometimes it was running to the truck and getting water for somebody or, but yeah, that's just the way it was. We just, we just helped out. We just at the ranch. And then when, during the summertime, we would, we would irrigate the fields. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that we had, hay, you know, we'd irrigate and then tell it was time to cut it. And then we'd cut it and we'd haul hay. And we did that from the time I was just little too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. Like, I'm like, my childhood sounds like so inactive and boring. <laughs> like, like, wow, you were, you guys were active. I mean, you had to be yeah. I'm like, I I watched Punky Brewster and like growing pains. <laughs> I did nothing like that. It was like I said, it's a little different world, you know, and, and it wasn't always like go, 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 but there was a there's a lot to taking care of animals, you know. And like I said, we would we would oh, I don't know how many acres we had in town. We had two different sets of fields that we would irrigate and and we didn't have like the nice fancy things like the pivots or anything. Well, they do now, but we didn't then. <laughs> what's a what's a pivot? So pi- a pivot is one of those machines that you'll see in the field that has like the big, like the little tires and it's set up and then you have the sprinklers that come and okay. the whole thing moves like this. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> That's what's referred to as the pivot. Um, there's also the smaller ones that are like, just like a little pipe and then it has the big wheels in the middle of it and there's sprinklers on top okay of that's that. what I think I've seen yeah I never knew that that's what they were called there's both of them um the bigger ones are what are usually referred to as pivots um we didn't have any of those we used flood irrigation so we had four inch pipe <laughs> pvc pipe that had what they called gates on them so we would move the pipe up the field and Oh gosh. So you would like do what one row and then you'd go and move it up another row or. Yeah. So we would have through that, the field, there was this little, what do you call them? Like valves or whatever that came from the irrigation stuff. And so you would put a little, little head thing on it. And then it had a place to, you know, 
you connected the pipe and then you would run the pipe like across the field and you would open it up a certain like the little gates you could open them Mm -hmm. or a little bit or a lot or whatever and so yeah you would do that and then you would flood that whole part of it and then you would pick up all of those pipes and then move them up the field and then do it again oh wow that's a lot it it was a lot and they were they were heavy (laughs) sometimes so what age like did all of the ranching stuff like stop for you? Um, it stopped about uh, when I was about 12 or 13. Okay. Um, my grandpa passed away when I was 10. Mm, and then everything kind of got sold over the next two or three years. And so um, by the time I was about 14, 15, like everything was pretty much gone except the mm-hmm. horses. Okay. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it, it stopped was, yeah, mid And then because like, that seems like, it seems like that was such like a big part of your life. Like, how did you all adjust to that no longer like being the case? Um, I feel like I, I was a little bit more adjusted than everybody else. Of course, a lot of them were already gone by the time yeah um that happened so my sister so it was just me and my brothers my two old my brothers that are just older than me um by the time everything got sold and the one brother was really really into sports and of course I mean we did the sports and the working it <laughs> when it was mm-hmm. necessary but he was just really into sports he was the star of everything um and my other brother he he did sports as well but then he he had a horse that he had trained and he spent a lot of time doing other things like that too. And like, like I said, most of them were gone by the time yeah. we sold everything. Um, so it was, it was an adjustment. It was just, it, now that I think back on it, it just, there wasn't quite as busy. It wasn't quite as much to do, but then there was other things that we filled our, you know, when you're in a school that small, you're involved in everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you go to is. everything. Yeah. Um, like I said, we were all, we were all, all also in sports. So this kind of gave a little bit more time for those other things, I guess. What sports did you play? Um, at one point I did volleyball, basketball, track and cheerleading. Oh my gosh. So that's a lot. Yeah. I gave up basketball in junior high age. And then I did the other three until about my junior year of high school. Okay. My senior year, I didn't do anything, which was the weirdest thing ever. Um, but it was kind of nice also. <laughs> Why didn't you do anything? Um, I, my junior year of high school in cheerleading, I, I messed up my back oh. and it was kind of a, a big, there was a bit of, bit of drama around it. Um, and so then my senior year, because I hadn't done volleyball my junior year, because I'd chosen to do cheerleading, because that was the first year that you had to choose. I'd chosen to do cheerleading. I just didn't feel like I could get back into the volleyball thing my senior year. And then I just didn't, well, I didn't do track my junior year either because my back was messed up at the end of. So what happened to your back? I'm also intrigued by you said, by you saying like there was some drama around it so like what happened to your back what happened was 
I was, I got dropped is what started it. Um, Uh We were warming up before a basketball game and I got dropped, like just flat out dropped on the floor. On the floor. Oh my gosh. And then I got up and cheered, of course. I think it might, it was probably two games because usually we played back-to-back games. Were you in pain? Yes, I was in pain. I think that is the second time I broke my tailbone. Oh my um, god! Oh my gosh! Broke her tailbone. I mean, and the second I, time that was the second time. Yes, the first time my brothers put me on a horse that wasn't broke, and I got bucked off. Um, oh my <clears throat> like I said, I don't know for sure that it was broken, but I. Yeah, yeah, um, I've I've hurt mine. I I think it was probably cracked or something. It's it, it hurt for six months. Like I had yeah. one of those those donut pillows. I felt like someone with like, I don't know, what is it? Hemorrhoids or something. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just like, this is sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so like the coaches like didn't say like, Hey, like let's get you off the floor. No, not really. My coach just said, you know, she's like, Oh, we can't be like stepping back like that. And then I got up and we did the lift again. And then, like okay. I said, then I, I cheered the whole game. Or actually, it might have been oh two. Oh my gosh, you poor thing! And then we were getting ready for the state competition, and so in those routines, I was pretty much on the bottom of every single lift. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> one day we were practicing, and we had just been practicing the lifts over and over and over again. And I was tired, and my back was still kind of mess. I was still kind of in pain from being dropped. Yeah, and sure, sure. we did something with a lift and the girl that I was throwing the other girl with she threw harder than I did which happens sometimes and I adjusted wrong instead of like stepping back a little bit I arched my back and she landed on my chest with my back arched and it just kind of messed everything up and then there was a little bit of drama because like my coach never really like ever acknowledged that like I should have like had any problem with my um, yeah. my back that it should have, like, I was, you know, and, and it finally got to be like a couple weeks later and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I don't know, like she had never reported that I had been dropped. Yeah. That's never, like, like crazy to me. Like, anyway, it was kind yeah. of a whole thing that was kind of whatever, but so I didn't do sports my se- my senior year because I, well, junior year, I didn't do track because of that. I was still recovering. And then my senior year, I just decided not to do anything else. And it was kind of nice actually to have like time to myself. Well, yeah, I feel like that's (laughs) kind of like, that was probably a bit of a foreign concept to you just because like you had such an active childhood. And then if you were doing Mm -hmm. sports on top of like helping out at the ranch and yeah, yeah, the downtime must've been like, yeah, it was crazy because you, (laughs) I had started sports in the fourth grade. So starting in fourth grade, all the way till like my senior year of high school, every day after school, there was something, you know, and usually starting in about seventh grade, it was from August to like April, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was a practice after school. And so it was really nice my senior year to not have those things. I started like working the, the, the games, like I would take tickets and like starting kind of like a little job, which was kind of nice. And. I don't know. It was nice to have time, but yeah. So <clears throat> I appreciate like 
knowing all of that. That's so <laughs> like, all of that's just so interesting. I love just hearing about people's lives and just like how different they are from mine. Um, so I want to talk about like your podcast. Um, <clears throat> but I know, I believe, right. Didn't your dad somehow inspire the title? Yes, he did. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah. So my dad was um, just one of those people that made you feel like you could do anything. And part of that was like when I was growing up, like I said, there was just girls. Well, there wasn't just girls. There was girls and boys, but there was more girls. And he made sure that we knew how to do things ourselves. You know, like before we start, we're able to drive. Like we had to make sure he taught us how to like change a tire in the the driveway and my dad did too um, that in the oil <laughs> yeah like how to check the oil and how to do and my dad wasn't super like mechanical mm-hmm. um but like if my car ever needed to go to the shop like he made me take it to the mechanic you know things like that yeah. um he made us he made sure that we knew how to take care of ourselves and he also there was just this like we were never treated because like we were less because we were girls. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were expected to work just as hard as the boys. And, and I'll be honest, like we weren't expected to necessarily be able to do as much. Like we were not expected to be as strong as the boys or, you know, things like that, but we were expected to work and we did mm-hmm. just as long and as hard as the boys. Um, but we were never thought of as less. And my dad was always just making sure that we knew how to do things. Right. And so one thing that my dad always used to say, um, is I would, I would be told, we would be talking and I would always say, Oh dad, I just, I don't know. You know, I say that all the time. Like, I don't know, daddy. I don't know. And he'd ask me a question. Cause of course my dad was also a teacher and he was those, one of those people that would ask questions to get you to where you needed to be. And he'd ask me questions and I'd be, Oh, I just don't know dad. And so he'd say, no, he said, yes. He'd look you in the face and he had one of those looks that like you felt like he was like looking into your uh-huh. soul and uh he would he'd look you in the face he'd be like no he's like yes you do know and that was something that he said like probably every conversation and every time I would say I just don't know dad he'd be like no he's like yes you do know and so as I was looking for a podcast title and I was kind of like oh I would like to you know about being brave and things like that because that was something that was a struggle to, I feel like I had worked really hard to be brave in my life. Mm -hmm. And then my dad passed away and I feel like I lost it all. You know, (laughs) it was like, everything was gone. And so as I was looking for a podcast title of having people to be brave or trying to get people to, to see themselves in new lights. Um, that's where it came from is the, yes, you are brave. I was hearing my dad's voice and yes, you do know. And so that's where the, yes, you are brave came from is a, a play on what my dad used to say of, yes, you do know. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's the podcast of, of kind of wanting to kind of continue his legacy of just inspiring people and being that voice in people's heads that tells them they can do things. Yeah. And my dad was one of those people, like I said, he, he really cared about people and he was a teacher and a coach for years and years. And, um, he, he was, he was hard on kids, but they all knew that he cared about them. Um, one thing that came up when he, uh, when we were gathering things for his funeral and stuff was that somebody had said that, I know that 
Jesus and Mr. Simons love me. (laughs) And so, and he just, he taught hundreds and hundreds of kids throughout his career. And I've seen my dad call out people that nobody else could have ever said anything like that because he had their kind of relationship with people that they knew he cared and they knew that whatever he said was coming from a place of like genuine love and concern and so when he said things to them or asked them, when are you going to get your life together? When are you going to, what are you doing to be, you know, things like that. It wasn't taken what they didn't get defensive. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so, yep. I think like intention, intention can be so obvious. And I think it's, it's so interesting because I know of people where they can say the same thing to me. But the way it's approached and just that who that person is, I'm like, okay, this is, this is coming from a place of you trying to make me feel shameful or embarrassed or bad. And you can be asking me the same question using the same words, but I know that your intention is coming from ultimately like a place of love. So the way that it's approached, like just feels differently. So I completely understand that. Yeah. And he was, like I said, he was that person that you could, I don't know, there's things he would say, like he would ask me questions about things and I was never, well, not, I won't say never because he was my dad, but like, you know, generally (laughs) speaking, you're like, Oh no, like he's saying this because he cares. Mm -hmm. And I've, like I said, I've seen him call out people that nobody else in the world would ever be able to say anything like that to them you know what I mean they would have got a like you you know um if anybody else would have said that but that's kind of the where the the podcast came from was just wanting to be that kind of person that my dad was of being able to lift up people and inspire people and for me like I said I I felt like I'd become brave and then I feel like I kind of lost a lot of it when he died just because of the grieving process and everything that happened with that. And then it was rediscovering all these things, you know, it was having to put my life back together. And that was kind of when I went out to, to explore this whole entrepreneur world. And it was, I could hear my dad's voice in my head. Um, But you know, if you don't know my dad, (laughs) his voice wasn't going to be there. And so I wanted people to have that, you know, that yes, you can do this. Yes. You, you do know you can figure it out you know, you can, you are brave. And so you're, you're enough to do whatever it is that you want to do, because that's, I feel like my dad's one of my dad's biggest legacies is he, he made people feel that way, you know? And I feel like that's how he made me feel was no, I've, I've taught you what you need to know. You can do this now, or you can figure out how to do this. You're capable. And I mean, I've seen my dad and, and my grandfather for that matter, like, make some things work that probably (laughs) shouldn't work. My sister and I, we were just building a fence today. And my sister said something about how like, oh, like dad would, if this would have been dad, it would have been done already. She's like, (laughs) he could make, he could make inanimate objects do things like, I'm not sure inanimate objects are supposed to do. (laughs) It reminds me the way you're describing that reminds me of like MacGyver. Are you familiar with that show where it's like, he could make like an airplane out of a paper clip and a rubber band. Like, it's just like, (laughs) how um when you when you described your dad as just 
And I remember you sharing this with me before, like how he would just look at you and say like, yes, you do know. Like it just made me tear up because to have somebody like look you straight in the eye and just really encourage you to trust yourself. I don't feel like many people do that, you know? And I just, I I mean, honestly, like looking at my relationship with my parents, that, that rarely happened. And I feel like so many people doubt themselves. So many people doubt or question their, their abilities and, and always look or not always, but quite often look externally for the answers. When I think like, it's so funny because the reel that I posted today was really about trusting your really, um, was about trusting like your intuition, just really trusting yourself. And I feel like so many of us don't do that. So I think it's so beautiful that he was just like, you, you already know, like you, you have the answers. You just need to trust yourself enough to trust yourself, you know? Yeah. That, that really was the way that he was. And my mom as well, like they were, they were very much a partnership in their, in the way that they, you know, their marriage, their parenting, everything was, they did together. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so they, they were very much like, Oh, no, like there were times I would get so frustrated. I'd be like, well, what do you think I should do? And they're like, well, I don't know. You'll figure it out. No, no, just just (laughs) tell me what to do. do. (laughs) they, They would never do that. Like they just were always teaching us. And like, I didn't realize it for the longest time. Of course, you know, you don't realize things when you're young, they were teaching us to be independent. They were teaching mm-hmm. us to do things on our own and to be our own person and to, um, kind of not need them, I guess, <laughs> like and in a way, me, Pony, like that's what a parent's job is, you know? Yeah. And as you were saying that I was thinking about just my own relationship and how I think that my dad is kind of like that, but I think my mom very, my mom needs to feel like she's needed. And so Mm -hmm. she, I think wants like me and my sister to be dependent upon her. So her approach was very different. Um, But to me, what your parents did is just absolutely what I want to do with my son is encourage him and support him and hopefully in his childhood, give him whatever tools and resources he needs to be a capable, confident adult and empower him to feel confident in his ability to make decisions and to really intuitively like know what's best for him and to just trust himself. So I think like your parents sound like amazing people. (laughs) They are, they are, they are amazing people. And I also realized at some point, I'm not exactly sure when, that my family was the exception and not the rule that like my parents, like, I just thought that's how parents were. Yeah, of course. You know, like you grow up and you think that you, whatever goes on in your house is just what goes on in every house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's normal. And then I realized that that's, that's not necessarily the case. 
And maybe I should have, sometimes I think maybe I should have realized it sooner. Like if that was the case, like there wouldn't have been so many extra people at my house <laughs> um, because that's true, but there, there were, you know, and um, so that's part of, I guess, I don't, you know, I don't have children at this stage in my life. And so I want, but I do want to help people. And I feel like everybody needs that voice. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs that reassurance and that somebody to, I mean, I guess I do an audio format, so it's not like I'm looking at people in the face, but I would like them to feel like, I. <laughs> well, actually they can hold up your podcast cover and they can just stare at that. And then you are kind of looking at them in the face. Well, that is actually why I, I, chose that picture like that was very intentional like I wanted it to be like you know more of a personal thing more like I'm I'm close and I'm looking into your face like you know my dad used to do for me and so that is actually (laughs) that's cool I like that that's that's kind of where where it kind of came from that whole like you know no I don't want it to be a glamour shot of me I want it to be me looking like yeah so it reminds me of like that whole like the you at what is it like I want that Uncle Sam like I want oh yeah yeah whatever whatever that is like that's just what it reminded me of but I think like people want to know I think that other people believe in them because when Mm -hmm. other people believe in them I think somehow it gives them permission to believe in themselves and we don't need permission but it doesn't hurt. Like it doesn't hurt to have someone believing in you because they believe in you for a reason. And I think often we don't see what's remarkable and amazing about ourselves because we're so critical and we're so hard on ourselves. But if someone else can see the beauty in us, like then maybe they'll highlight something that we don't you know, that we, that we maybe know is there, but just can't see it. We need to like take off our blinders. So I think it's like great what you're doing. Well, thank you. I, I am excited about it and I really enjoy doing it. It's something that is taking me a while to find, but I feel like it's the right time to step out and to try to be that for other people. Because And you're being brave. Yes. This is now this is also me trying to be brave and uh because like I said it's 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 a re been a rebuilding couple of years and to remember all the brave things that you've done. And I think everybody is truly I truly believe that everybody's brave, but people don't we put these labels on things and we think of brave as some things that things that are really big. Mm-hmm. And that's true, but we're brave enough to do the big things by being brave enough to do all the little things. Right. Yeah. Like what, what was the, what was the toilet one? I feel like I'm obsessed with toilets (laughs) because I talk about like toilets and bathroom stuff, like all the time, (laughs) but what was the toilet? Like it was like changing the pipe or plunging something or it was, uh, it was, it was one of my early episodes. It was brave enough to snake your own toilet. Yeah, there it was. Yeah. So yeah, there was, uh, uh, an incident where I, <laughs> the toilet needed to be snaked and, um, yeah, did it, do it myself. And like I said, it's, it's a weird, but like, it's also really empowering to like do little things like that yourself, yeah. oddly yeah. enough, like, 
And I think like, those are the things that we don't recognize. Like I was just talking to somebody today and this was someone that had like, she had lost both her parents and she got addicted to, to heroin and she got through it. And I, I told her, I said, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for what you've like overcome. And then she also told me like, she had been in an abusive relationship and she had left that. And I said, do you realize like how much bravery and courage, like getting through these things actually takes, like, this is a lot. And yes, like we, we celebrate like people getting married and having babies, but these things that you did, like, these are life changing things that are hard. We need to acknowledge like the courage that it took for you to make the decision to leave or to, for you to make the decision to get help. Like that, let that serve as like, like evidence of how awesome you are. And hopefully like that encourages you and and helps you feel empowered to do like all of these other things. Yeah. There's so many things that like you said, we, we celebrate these big typical milestones, Mm -hmm. but then there's there's all these other things that happen. And sometimes like getting your life back from whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, sends it off track whether it's drugs or grief or bad relationships or death or all those different things. There's a million different things that can derail your life and getting, being brave enough and being taking the time to like actually do the work to get back is, is amazing. And I think you're right. It should be celebrated just as much as all those other, yeah, all those other things that we, that we typically celebrate. So how long ago did your dad pass away, Connie? Um, it was three years ago in January. Okay. And I know, um, I think in, in one of your, your early episodes, you mentioned like how just transformational that, that had been for you, just like how impactful that had been. And I know you mentioned it earlier, like what, what shifted for you, I guess, like prior to his passing and then like after you, you lost him, like what, what felt differently for you? Oh, um, <laughs> if you feel, if you feel comfortable sharing, if you don't, I no, absolutely want to be respectful of that. That's fine. It's it's just something that I feel like was so, I don't even know if there was just one thing mm-hmm. um, because he was, he was sick, but it was not a very long illness as far as illnesses go. We found out just after, just before Halloween that he was, that he had cancer and then he died the first week of January. Um, so so it was, yeah, it was very quick. Um, like I said, relatively speaking, um, but I feel like before, um, he passed away, I felt pretty grounded in like Mm -hmm. myself, in my life, in my religion, all of those type of things. And then after he died, it was like. I didn't feel connected to like anything I felt like for a while. Um, like I remember coming down the stairs, I was at my mom's house, of course. And I spent a couple of months with her after the, after he passed. Um, it was after the funeral. It was after everybody had left, you know, kind of everything had died down a little bit. And I remember coming down the stairs and just feeling like, who's like, whose skin am I in? Like yeah. whose life am I living? Like nothing felt familiar. Nothing felt 
like connected. It just like he was kind of my connection. I felt like this big, I don't know, anchor in my life. And he mm-hmm. was all of a sudden it was gone and I just didn't feel connected to to anything um after he passed. So it was a just felt like there was almost like nothing left. I don't know. It kind of felt like there was just like this explosion mm-hmm. that just like destroyed everything that I was and like knocked everything down. I'd had enormous walls for my whole life and I feel like they were gone and just felt like raw too as well. Like, like an exposed nerve <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, after he passed, everything was just like, just didn't feel like I had a connection or control of like very much at all. Yeah. How did you, um, I guess, so how did you get from where you were at that point to where you are now? Like what was there, was there like a pivotal moment for you where you just had like a realization that something needed to change or was it just baby steps? Like because you seem definitely seem better now. And I'm so sorry for what you experienced uh, before. I appreciate that. Well, it's, it's definitely been a process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say it was a lot of little steps. Um, because like I said, I spent a couple months with my mom afterwards and there wasn't a lot. We didn't do a lot, you know, it was kind of, um, we just kind of hung out we stayed up really late. We ate lots of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, I was like, okay, I got to kind of come back to like the land of the living again, I guess. And um, I, I ended up changing my lifestyle. I completely changed the way that I eat and everything that I did a couple months after that, partly because I knew that he would want me to be healthy. And because I figured, well, that's hard. This is hard might as well just put them together. Yeah. <laughs> like, And so I, I did that. And I feel like that was one thing that like helped tremendously um, because my health went from being just, eh, you mm-hmm. know, um, to being way better. I feel like than it's ever been in my life. So that was a huge thing. And then once I got my physical health kind of taken care of, yeah. then I realized that my mental health needed some work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a big process as well, but I started going to therapy um, because I was struggling. I just was really struggling with the grief. I was struggling with depression yeah. and I couldn't get out of it on my own. And so for the past two years, I go to therapy and it was, like I said, it was a lot of little things and it was working to be really patient with myself because I wanted to be moving <laughs> Like I wanted to be on the freeway and I was like in a school zone, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it was <laughs> like, I don't know, like in a wagon or something, I was not moving very fast. Um, but it was just a lot of little things of just moving forward, um, continuing to try different things and learning to not be so hard on myself and being yeah. open to like different ideas. And, and I feel like I actually like, one thing is I really started asking questions about myself and okay. So like, how do I, I realized that my life was completely, and also it, it kind of 
was a little different situation because I had just left my teaching job um, right before we found out, like as we found out he was getting sick, I left my teaching job. And so there was this whole, like, I have to rebuild my career, which I was planning on, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I also had to like, just rebuild my life and myself. And so the last three years I've tried to be really intentional about as I'm rebuilding, as I'm figuring this out again, like, what do I really want to keep? Um, And so it's just been a lot of little steps and a lot of, like I said, being patient with myself. There's been a lot of, I journal a lot (laughs) in a lot of different forms Um, and just really deciding, like, I feel like I'm much more intentional about a lot of things than I used to be. Um, I mean, I still just have bad days where I binge and a whole season in a day, but (laughs) as far as like, I'm more intentional about like the things that I say and the attitudes that I try to take into my life and the people that I try to spend that I want to spend time with. If that, I don't know if that makes sense or not. It absolutely does. And I think all of that matters. And I feel like the way you're describing it to me makes it makes it in my mind sound like, you know, after your, your dad passed, like you were existing, but you weren't living. And now you are living and you're being very intentional with the how behind that. And I think also like the why, like, why are you doing these things? Why aren't you doing these things? Why are you allowing these things? Why do you not want to allow these things? And I feel like so many people like can learn from that because that's how I felt too. I mean, really like prior to COVID, I was just like, I'm just surviving. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm living, but I'm not living, you know, I I'm surviving and I actually want to thrive because I don't feel like we can be that best version of ourselves. Like when we're just struggling or we're existing, like we're just going through the motions with no intention. Um, I've seen people live their lives that way. And that's not how I don't believe like that's how we should be spending our time. Like if you choose to, you choose to, but I want to make the most of my time here. And like, I think that that's exactly what you're doing. And I'm, and I'm so proud of you for just doing what you needed to do to take care of you. And I'm a huge believer in therapy. I've been going to therapists off and on since I was a kid. And, um, I'm really thankful actually for some really crappy experiences that I went through as a kid, because I think that made me really like open to it. Mm -hmm. Um, when I feel like there was such a stigma around it. Um, and I, I kind of, am just like, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have that. So I'm really glad that, you know, you, you got the help that you needed to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You said, talk about stigma. I didn't realize I was like, Oh, there's not like stigmas around these things anymore. We've come so far, but then it was like, when it was time for me to go to therapy, it was like, Oh, wait, like, <laughs> there's still a stigma and I still kind of buy into the stigma, you know, what but did you also feel been- like, what did you feel like when you were contemplating therapy? Like what, what was it that 
you were telling yourself about you like going, like, what did that mean? Um, well, I kind of just, I guess I, I realized I'd kind of had the idea of like, oh, like people that go to therapy have like really big issues, you know, like they have these really big issues or these really big traumas. Um, I had also worked at a school for troubled kids where they had all, I mean, kind of the extreme of that, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know, I kind of was like, but like, and I've always had a little bit of a complex hard time with like feeling like my problems because they're not as big as other people's, they shouldn't, I don't want to like, I don't even know how to say it. It's like, oh, well, somebody, it's that whole, like, it could always be worse thing. Right. And so oh, since my problems that's aren't one of, as that's bad, one of my things. Yeah. Like since, since they're not as bad as like so-and-so's like, maybe I don't need to, you know what I mean? Like, yep. like, I don't need to go to therapy because it's just, yeah. you know, this, or it's not some whatever. And so it was hard for me because it was kind of, that's kind of, I feel like I realized the attitude that I had kind of had of like, oh, well, like it's not as bad as such and such, or it's could be worse or, you know, I'm supposed to like be blessed and feel blessed and all those things, which is true, but that doesn't mean it's not hard and you don't need help. Exactly. Like, I always feel like, I don't know if you watched Scooby-Doo, but Scooby-Doo had like that little nephew, Scrappy-Doo. And he was always like, when he was pumped up, he's like, let me at him, let me at him. And that's always how I feel when people are like, it could always be worse. I'm always like, because it can always be worse. Like it could absolutely always be worse, but that doesn't mean that like what you're feeling and what you're experiencing doesn't suck, isn't painful, doesn't hurt. And it's like, Mm -hmm. all of that matters just as much as everything else, you know? And so like, I'm so, I'm so glad that like you had that, that realization because like your experiences are your experiences and it's everything's valid. It all matters. Yeah. And I think we, we have to come to a point where it's like, okay, yes. Like my heart is not your heart mm-hmm. and that's fine. And you know what I mean? Like some things are not hard for me. And so, but that doesn't mean that what is hard for me, isn't really hard for me. Exactly. You know, and like what's hard for you is just hard for you. And that's fine. Everybody's heart is a little bit different. I mean, there's some things that are just generally hard, right. but like, and I think that that was, is getting to that point of being like, it's okay that like I'm struggling and it's okay And also just to be, for me also, I feel like therapy was stepping outside of, uh, kind of where I came from, I guess, like where I, you know, it's that, that when you grow up in like that ranching farming community place, like, especially where I was, because it's so remote and the history of the place and everything is still, there's still a little bit of like, like the survival mentality, you know what I mean? Because for so long, that's all it was. It was Mm -hmm. just surviving. And, and I get that. And so sometimes it's easy to take that on. I think of just like, oh, well, I'm okay. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm still alive. I'm still walking around. It's yeah. like, I'm like you said, I'm living, but am I really living? Right. And it, I keep thinking of that song. Can't remember who sings it but now, right now, but it's the song says, I just want to live while I am alive. Mm-hmm. You know, like just want to live yeah. while I'm alive. Like, I don't want to like get to the end and be like, well, that sucked. That sucked. <laughs> I should have like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because the environment that you grew up in, just like the small town. And again, I, I can relate to that. Not, not me personally, but again, because so much of my family that I'm 
the family that I am close to, um, it's very much the type of community and the environment that that they live in that my dad was raised in. And so I definitely understand kind of like the the survivor mentality and just like kind of this is all there is. Like that's their normal. Yeah. And our normal is all relative. And I know when I talk about certain things with some of my family over there, they're like, oh, well, she's just like city. So, you know, like she's domesticated or whatever it is. I don't know, but I'm just like, no, it's just, there, there's more, I think like exposure to, to certain things in mm-hmm. certain types of environments. And like, even my dad, like talking to him about therapy or talking to him about like how certain things in his life, like his childhood impacted him. It's like that way of thinking is just such a foreign concept to him because Mm -hmm. he, he grew up, like he did grow up on a farm. Like it was like agricultural and, you know, I mean, that's, it was just a completely different type of normal for him. So all of this stuff is like, okay, like he doesn't quite get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. And it's, it's like I said, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it, but Mm -hmm. it's also wanting to move forward and not Mm -hmm. just be one thing that really kind of after my dad passed was like, okay, like I love where I came from and I love that all of those things, but I also, I felt like I finally found permission somewhere. Maybe I gave it to myself something of like wanting more, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with this, but like, if I want something different than everybody that I grew up with, or even my siblings, like that's okay. And that was Mm -hmm. one of the cool things to find, to feel like I found the last couple of years is it's okay to want more. It's okay to like, (laughs) to reach for your own dreams and have your own things and, and yeah, just kind of be my own person and and not be, and not feel like I have to like fit into this, what all of my siblings are doing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But like, if I want something else, then it's totally okay. Like finding that permission or whatever. Yeah. And I think, I, I think there to me, like, it makes me think of, you know, if you have like a whole family of doctors or lawyers and someone's like, I just want to go to art school, you know? And it's like, it doesn't mean anything about what anyone else has chosen to do. All it means is that this person wants to do something different. It doesn't mean that anything that anyone else has done previously or is still doing is bad or good. It just is. And you're different. So why not just be different? And if what you want to do is different, then just do that. Like, I feel like we all sometimes just make things more complicated than it needs to be. I know I do that like a lot. Yes. I think that is so true. Make it so, so complicated. And I think that we put pressures on ourselves that aren't, don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, if you just live for you and you take time and you put yourself first, then you're better able to help other people. Exactly. You, know, you, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't help people if you're not in a position to be able to even help yourself. And so mm-hmm. I think people need to hear that and people need to 
probably hear it again and again because you know it took me a couple decades to finally (laughs) get to where to a place where I felt like I could even hear those things and not just immediately dismiss them Mm -hmm. and so being open to growth I think too has been a huge shift in my life in the last couple years so just being open to things that I would have never a couple you know five ten years ago would have thought you were off your rocker crazy (laughs) yeah yeah and I feel like just just being open-minded and open-hearted is just like it is just the key to growth like you said and I feel like if something just if we hear something and it's just like whoa like oh hell no then just get curious with yourself and just start kind of digging in to find out like why you're so anti something, why you feel so strongly in it. Again, it doesn't mean anything's good or bad. It's just like, it just is. But I find when we're curious with ourselves and we start asking ourselves those questions, like you said, your, your dad asked questions and like, you're asking questions to help people really just like seek the answers within, like we can hope like we can hopefully get to that point one day where we're just asking ourselves the own our own questions and coming up with the answers ourselves and I think there there have been so many things that I do now or I believe now whereas five years ago I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing or I wouldn't be thinking the way that I'm thinking and it's just because I just chose to be open-minded about things and acknowledge that, okay, well, just because I've always thought this way doesn't mean I need to continue to think this way or feel this way. And if I feel strongly, why? And if I don't feel strongly, why? You know? Yeah. I think that's the key is just being curious, being in a place where you feel like, you know what, like, let's explore it. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I do want to keep this. Maybe I don't. But like, mm-hmm. I should at least look at it. You know, it's like the whole one, like you're cleaning out your closet or whatever, you know, take things out and you try them on. Like, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's why oh, it takes me hours to clean yeah, out my closet. You know, you're like, okay, like, I don't want this. What is it? My mom used to say when we would clean out stuff, she said, okay, I want you to get rid of anything you don't want, don't like, don't wear, don't need or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of a, for me, kind of, okay, like what in my life? not just the physical things in my life. What in my life do I not want? Do I not need? Do I not wear? Do I, you know, Yeah. (laughs) let's get rid of those things because I feel like life is just too short to carry around unnecessary stuff. I agree with you. And I think that's like a perfect way of, of putting it. Um, like just being more intentional, like you said, at the beginning of our conversation and just more mindful of what's getting our time, what's getting our energy, what's getting our attention. And, um, if it doesn't help us like move in the direction that we want to be moving in, or it doesn't make us feel good, then how you maybe need to reconsider its place in your life. Yeah. And I think that that's just kind of what it boils down to. Like, how open are you? And can you be open? I feel like I'm so much happier, oddly Mm -hmm. enough, um, because I've learned how to be a little bit more open not a little bit, a lot more open as I've like opened up my, my mind and my heart and all these types of things. Just, you find like, I don't know, 
I was kind of getting in my own way of being happy and being my version of successful. I was working on being somebody else's version of success and it was making me miserable because I was failing (laughs) because Uh first of all, I was only half-heartedly doing it because I didn't really want to do it. And then it was just like, I don't really want to do this. And so now that I've kind of put those aside and it's still a process, I wish I was, I would love to be a little further along, but I'm making lots of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's where we find true happiness and joy is just living for us and getting out of our own way, I guess. And being right. <laughs> I feel like that is so much of like our obstacle in life is just getting out. Of, like, we just need to get out of our own way. We need to stop believing like all the BS that like we feed ourselves, that other people feed ourselves or feed us. Like we need to stop trying to be like someone else, because like you said, we're always going to fail, like, because that's not who we are. But yeah. if we just embrace who we are, accept that and just say, yeah, like I'm kick-ass, like I'm going to be the most kick-ass version of myself possible. You can't fail at that. So I'll go with that. I'll do that one. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just letting yourself do that and be happy with it. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing how that just, even just letting yourself be happy over things that actually make you happy Mm -hmm. instead of the things, you know, some idea. Yeah. So, yeah. So what kind of coaching are you going into? Do you know yet? Um, so I kind of, yes, yes, I do. Um, (laughs) um, so I would like to coach people on increasing their confidence and their Mm self-worth. Um, and I would like to do that through creativity and accountability. So I feel like so many people don't, they feel like they don't have the confidence to do things or they're not a confident person or they don't think a lot of themselves. And so I kind of would like to challenge those beliefs and help them start to build confidence one through accountability, because I feel like a lot of times we don't think very highly of ourselves because we don't keep our word to ourselves. Like we're always breaking promises to ourselves. And so we feel like we can't trust ourselves because we don't show up Mm -hmm. and because you don't trust people that don't show up. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I want to use the accountability piece of like, let's build habits, habits of showing up for yourself and doing what you say you're going to do and those type of things. And then also just being creative because I feel like it helps us get out of our own way. Mm-hmm. Even if we're not like a creative person, uh, we don't think we're a creative person, just being creative, doing something that is, you know, um, not so rigid and not so structured just like letting ourselves be free a little bit, I think can really build us our confidence and self-worth by kind of helping us connect to who we really are and yeah. not this like version of ourself that has got most of us in a little box on a shelf mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Because we so. tell ourselves a story of who we think we should be versus just being who we naturally are. Yeah. You know, and like one example I was thinking of, like when you're saying be, be creative, I'm like, it could seriously be as simple as like trying something different at like your, the restaurant you go to every week and you always yeah. order the same thing. Like, what if you tried something different, you know, yeah. like, and just those, yeah. those baby steps, because I think so many people think 
that like they need to make these huge shifts to make any progress. And most of the time I'm like, look at kids when they start walking, like it's seriously just like (laughs) they fall all the freaking time, but they still get up and it's just all these baby steps. And then like over time, all of that adds up. Yeah. And that's, I think the, the biggest thing is just starting small, you know, and, and like, I think a lot of people, they think of like, oh, like being creative. It's almost like there's like, they equate it to being like, I'm a creative as in like, I make my money being a creative and, and things like that. Like and an artist not, or something yeah, like, like artist yeah. or a musician. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, it's like, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to play the piano and it's, if the only person you ever play the piano for is you, then that's fine. Like, that's a great thing to do, you know, or it's like, again, you know, like you said, some people think of creativity, like in this, they almost put creativity in a box, which I feel like is kind of a little bit. Yeah. Ironic. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. You know, you're like, uh, not exactly, but you know what I mean? Like trying something new at a restaurant, um, driving a different way home from work mm-hmm. or cooking something new so many ways to be creative. And I think that's what I want to help you. I just want to help you to help people open their eyes and see more, you know, and see what they can be and and kind of grow what they feel comfortable doing or get comfortable pushing themselves to not be comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think like, so my husband and I were together and engaged for three and a half years and we broke up for five and then we got back together and got married. Um, sometimes he may regret that. (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) but when we broke up, I was devastated. Like I, I never thought that would have happened, but that was honestly the best thing that could have happened to me because before that I didn't know who I was. And it was so funny because when we got back together, like I suddenly liked avocado and guacamole. I hated those before. I was like vegan. I had like run, like I was active. I was working out. I, w- I had run a couple of marathons. Like I was, I was a completely different person in so many ways, but it's because I was given the freedom and the space to just try new things and explore who I could be to finally realize like who I was, Yeah, you know, and it's just, just those little, like those little baby steps, like they just add up over time. Yeah. And I, everybody needs to, you know, just, if you don't like something, that's fine. Like, it's mm-hmm. funny. We are always telling kids, we always tell kids, oh, you got to try it. Right. <laughs> Good try. It. Just try it. Take one bite, take two bites. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you don't like it, that's fine. But then it is adults. We're like, no, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like this. Have you ever tried it? Well, no, but yeah. I don't like it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. And so I think if we just take that time to be a little bit more like a kid and just try things, we can find. We have so much to learn from kids, like honestly. And I have learned so much about myself. Like my, my son is really the only kid I've really been around a lot and I'm super thankful for him for so many reasons. But one of them is because like, I've learned like I've gotten to know myself better because of him and what I encourage him to do. And I'm just like, well, I can't tell you one thing and then do something different. Like that's kind of messed up. So it's like, he's holding me accountable, although he doesn't know that, you know? Yeah. 
So I, like I said, that's what I want to do with the coaching is just help people feel better about themselves. Yeah. Cause I've been, I've been there. I've been that person who's completely hid who they were and, you know, didn't have the confidence in themselves at all. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of want to help people get there. Yeah. I'm not quite where I want to be, but you know what? I think we can all use a little bit. Of, and I think until we get those habits, until we get those comfortable doing those things for ourselves, sometimes it helps to have somebody else pushing a little bit from the mm-hmm. outside. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think in helping in helping other people, it helps you too. You yeah. know, it, it makes you feel good. And I think, and even having conversations with people, it's like, it may, you know, like that light bulb may turn on for you in some way, like it may trigger something. And so I just, I think that that energetic exchange can be super powerful in so many different ways. So I'm, I'm happy the world has you and I'm happy that you and I, our paths crossed. Um, so just, I wanted to give you some space just to let people know like where they can follow you. I know like you've had journaling workshops in the past too, right? So if there's anything like you want to share, this is, this is your time. Um, okay. Well, yeah. So like I said, the podcast is, yes, you are brave and it's on all your major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, few more that are a little (laughs) that are like obscure right yeah a little obscure that I'd never heard of but um it's on those two a few of them and then um I am on Instagram at finding Pawnee um and so I will be putting out upcoming I am hoping to do some coaching a little bit more coaching and maybe in a group setting and then also looking at a membership for people looking to just feel better about themselves and things like that. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I'll make sure like when the episode is published, like we'll have all of your information. So people know where to stalk you. I mean, find you. Um, and <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we have any creepers listening, so that's always good. Um, but just nice. thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you. And yeah, I, I think you are brave and, you know, like <laughs> you, you attempting to snake your own toilet, man, like that's braver than I would probably be. So you inspire me. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. It's, it's random stuff like that. You know, the first time I, I don't know, I did have a, a called my dad one time when the first times that the toilet needed snaking, you know, I was like, I don't know how you do this. And it's like, ah, oh, you're probably going to need this. But I think it's so important because those little moments, like those are the ones where you're like, Hey, like, I did this. I feel like a badass, you know, like, yeah. And that's the thing too, is like with the little things is you do it. You're like, Oh, I did it myself. Like I did it all myself. Like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. When I jumped out of a plane, somebody technically pushed me. Like, let's be real. <laughs> I I, you know I, I, mean? I would not like, do that. Even if someone pushed me, you know, well, if well, they like pushed me, I guess I'd be screwed, but <laughs> you're, you're attached to somebody and they take the, you, you yeah. say you, you jump out of a plane, but they technically push you out of the plane. Like, let's be real. Um, I would have sat on the edge of that plane forever, but he pushed me out. But those little things, it's like, well, yes, I did get in the plane and all those little things up to there uh-huh. myself. But 
I think the little things are really important. And I really do appreciate you having me on here, Christy. It's been so much fun. And I love what you are doing as well with just being an awesome, amazing voice in the world and sharing those awesome things. Well, thank Thank you. you. I appreciate it. And um, I'm looking forward to having you back. Okay. So how awesome is Pawnee? I mean, first of all, to have super cool childhood and then to go through something so hard, so painful and have the courage to work through that, but also the courage to look at yourself and admit that maybe you're not living life to your fullest potential. Maybe you are not being fair to yourself and not really taking life by the reins and living it on your terms. And I think it's so amazing that she had the courage to do that and that she has the courage to continue doing that. And I love that she's helping others because of what she has experienced, because of what she's presently working through. And if you want to work with Pawnee, she is actually doing life coaching, but she's really focusing on life after loss. And I think she's definitely an expert in that. So if you are digging Pawnee, if you are vibing with her, please follow her. You can find her on Instagram at finding Pawnee. If you are interested in working with her, you can set up a call on PawneeSimonsCreative.com and just talk to her. If, if you are suffering any sort of loss, if you are just really struggling and you want help and you want to know if she can help you, go to her website, schedule a call, send her a DM on Instagram. You can also listen to her podcast, Yes, You Are Brave. It's available on Apple and Spotify, and I will link all of this stuff. But again, I, I love that she's finding these opportunities to help others because of what she herself experienced. And I also really appreciate that she's figuring things out as she goes, just like I am, just like you are just like pretty much everybody is if they have the courage to admit it. And I think Pawnee is a badass. And I think Pawnee is brave and Pawnee, if you are listening, yes, honey, you are brave. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. If there was something about it that you enjoyed, take a screenshot Share it in your stories on Instagram. Tag me, tag Pawnee. I know she would love to know what you thought of this episode. And if you are listening and you have one story that you want to share with other people, an experience that you experienced 
that you learn something from, that you think other people will learn something from, reach out to me. You can send me a DM on Instagram at Awaken the Extraordinary. You can send me an email at Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at awakentheextraordinary.com. As I've said before, I don't think you need to be some famous celebrity, some rich business person to have a story that's worthy of telling, to have an experience that you've learned from that you think others would benefit from hearing about. We're all amazing. We're all extraordinary. And I have this space for you and people like you to share with other people. And even if you're on the fence, like you have an idea that popped into your mind and uh, you're not sure if you want to share it or you need to fine tune it a little bit, again, reach out to me. I can help with that. As always, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you choosing to spend some of your valuable time and energy with me and I guess on me and whomever my guest is. So in this case, Pawnee Simons, if you like this podcast, please like it, please follow, please subscribe, please leave a review, please share it with other people because if you're enjoying it, chances are someone else is going to too. Maybe they just don't know about it. So if you like me, you like my dorkiness, you like my thoughtful thoughts at times, please share it with other people. Before I sign off, you know what's coming, you know. Stay kind, stay compassionate, and stay curious with yourself and others, and I'll talk with you soon.